What is going on, everybody? I hope you have packed a lunch, or I guess it's late at night now, so more of a dinner, because we have a gigantic, tremendous 13-fight card to break down. You know if UFC is going to Madison Square Garden, they're going to do it big, and oh boy, have they done it big. Heavyweight, light heavyweight straps on the line this Saturday, and I just know the person that you guys want to hear from in order to break it all down and make a little bit of money. My name is Austin Swain. I work for FanDuel Research, but the star of this show, and pretty much the name on it as well, is my guy, the man, the myth, the long shot legend, Maddie Tanner. Maddie, how are we feeling about UFC 295, bud? This card is chock full of sick fighters. Yeah, bro, this is a sick card. I almost, I kind of wish I was going to this one. I'm going to uh, the Colby Covington card in Vegas, right. so I'm pumped for that one. But man, this card is is really stacked, like from top to bottom. Yep, just stacked. I, I mean, like, I think in every single fight on this card, you have someone that will be ranked within the next year or so, or already is. It's just an unbelievable lineup of talent. Welcome, welcome, as you guys are filtering in here with the time change that has thrown me off this week. I don't know about you guys, so I, I think we're a couple minutes early, but not the first and worst time change we'll have. But, uh, Maddie, why don't we go ahead and dive right on in, because we have a lot to cover. It's probably going to take us a, bit, a little over an hour with a little bit longer card. But this first one up, I, I I had a tangent about this on Twitter today, so I'm interested to hear your thoughts. I do have something for the people with quote-unquote analytical models out there. But um, Jamal Emmer's taking on Dennis Bazooka at featherweight. We've only seen Bazooka in one fight earlier this summer. It was on very short notice, so I don't really want to make any definitive statements about him, but Emers is a guy that we've seen in UFC fighting some really high-level competition already. Pat Sabatini, Giga Chikadze, Jack Jenkins under this guy's belt. So he's been in there with some some pretty good fighters, pretty sizable favorite here, Matty. Um, do you have a strong lean here on uh, on this first fight on the card here? Yeah, I mean, look, I was actually impressed. I thought Dennis showed a lot of heart in that yeah. last fight against Sean Watson. Short notice, he was a dog in there, man. So I'm kind of kind of dog or pass on this fight right off the bat. Um, Interesting. I think he's a live dog here, plus 260. I mean, Jamal Emers does, you know, he does have some quality wins, and he's fought some good competition too. Um, I guess he doesn't have great quality wins, but he's come close against quality opponents, right? Very um, close. You know, we split Chikotsky decision. fight was very close. He outstruck yeah. him easily. Jack Jenkins split decision. So, you know, maybe this is a fight he'll edge out of the decision. I like that this fight to probably go the distance as well, but I'm dogger pass here and I like I like the fight. I like the over. Yeah. Um, you know, I I kind of have an interesting evaluation of Emmers here in that he was a totally different guy, ended up getting his knee torn apart by Pat Sabatini. He actually hurt Sabatini, knocked him down early. Sabatini grabbed smartly onto a leg lock and ended up blowing out his ACL. That cost him a year or so off of his career. So now at 34. I don't feel like he's kind of had that same high gear that I, I really liked about him as a prospect before the injury. So that is a little concerning when he's minus 360, actually already down to minus 280 on FanDuel as I sit here right now. Um, so, he, the, you know, Bazooka's getting a little bit of money here. And there are anecdotal things that you can like about Bazooka. Trains at Saralongo MMA. That's a good start, right? In this area with Matt Frivola, Nazim Sadikov, both of those guys on this card kind of around this weight class. So he's got good training partners, showed a ton of heart in that fight. He was getting destroyed by Sean Woodson, but that's kind of my problem is he was getting destroyed by Sean Woodson. And it's not so that Woodson was out striking him because Woodson's a very good striker. He's shown great kickboxing talent in UFC. I was more concerned that he let up four takedown attempts to Woodson 
and over five minutes of control time. Sean, yeah. that, Sean had been a negative grappler in UFC before he was able to get hold of Bazooka. Embers has actually done that very well. 1.898 takedowns per 15 um, with 40% accuracy. So yeah. I, I, I really like Jack Jenkins, and we just saw Embers have about as close of a fight as you can with Jenkins. I, I see Embers is generally undervalued because he had the split decision with Giga thought he should have won it split decision with Jenkins. And then he did hurt Sabatini and have a chance to finish that fight. Really dumb to pounce on a submission there against a guy in Sabatini. that's that good on the ground. So I think Embers is a worthy favorite here. And if you missed my, my Twitter tirade earlier today, there's a guy that has a quote unquote analytical model out on Twitter. I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen him kind of, if you Google for fight news, like I do, I see him run models on everybody. He's got Dennis Bazooka favored here through an analytical model. And I just don't understand that at all because against any UFC winners of his competition, Bazooka has like negative 30, 40 striking differentials, terrible efficiencies. You need a new analytical model. If you're favoring Bazooka here, I get the argument. If you know, you like the gym, like the heart, but come on, if if you're favoring Bazooka against a guy with Emmers with great, great efficiency everywhere, that's, it's just dumb. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I just think the money line's a little steep on Emmers, but I, I definitely understand my favorite play on here, and I don't know what the odds are. I'm actually looking it up now, but mm-hmm. but of course it's it's heavily juiced. Uh, I like the over two and a half, but it is minus two fifteen in that yeah. spot. Interesting. I um I wrote up. I was going to keep an eye on Emmers inside the distance here. I do I do think he's got him covered everywhere. And the thing is, he's never had a UFC win by finish, so the price is probably going to be pretty tempting for me. Maybe a small little nibble, but you never want to go crazy at the first fight on the card. It's the first fight on the card for a reason. Yeah. So. Emmers Emmers by KOs plus four hundred. Emmers by submission plus six seventy five. Uh, do you have a double chance? I, I could do the math real quick on what that would be. That's probably like plus 270 or so double chance if I had to do the math on it. But, um, plus 210, but it's probably a bad, bad number on this site. So. <laughs> uh, okay. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what it comes down to. I'm not like super invested one way or another. So um, I am a little invested in this one. When I was planning it out for my podcast on Friday, I looked at this and I said, I think there's a chance this is the fight of the night here. Uh, Josh Van mm. comes in. He's 22 years old, makes his debut against a guy in Jagashu Magulov, who I had a lot of respect for. His his record in UFC ended up really bad, but Jumagulov was a pretty darn good UFC fighter despite all the losses. And um, Van comes in there and frankly covered him, if not in two rounds, maybe a third. Um, and Jacksonville earlier this year looked tremendously impressive. And you think of how young this guy is and how little experience he has to already be doing that. And here's another young prospect on the other side. Kevin Borges comes through the contender series, was a big dog um, against, uh, I think it was Edwin Diaz on the contender series, submission guy, fought him off, defended enough takedowns, was able to outpoint him here. Um, flyweight battle, flyweight unders are a favorite of, you know, Connor Burks of the MMA hour. Like they've been historically pretty profitable. Um, I think these guys are down to war, both of them strikers. So should be a good fight. I, I was wondering how dig, how far you had dug in this one yet. And if you have maybe a lean one way or another, I haven't spent a lot of time on this one, but I do not, not specifically in this fight, but overall, I just like Joshua Van, man. Yeah. I really do like him. Uh, he's just a beast, bro. Uh, so yeah, I do, I do like him. I, I wonder if this spot is a little too much chalk, um, but I do think he wins this fight. Yeah, you know, the interesting thing is Van. So Van sets a UFC record for flyweight significant strikes in a debut, 120 against against Juma Gulov officially. 
eight significant strikes per minute. If you, if you flash that out, landed over half of them, 51% defended 64%. And this is against a tougher guy by all accounts than Borges had to fight on the contender series. And yeah. he's got better efficiency marks. And like you said, I think the sky's the limit for him. We didn't really see very much of his grappling, but he had a couple submission wins regionally. Like I, he's only 22 and you get worried about the experience, but I'm not even sure this is a step up from Jalgas, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, no, I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I kind of lean toward the over in this fight. Van never of course finished professionally. Kevin Borges showed his submission de defense, at least in his debut. There's not a ton of power here. I don't think, um, I think especially in your world, I know you do some DFS prop stuff, overs on significant strikes here I love because whatever they're going to post Van at is likely not going to be over 100. And I like both of these guys to encroach or exceed 100. I, I would take Josh Van um, in, in a vacuum to win this fight. Like I think he's going to be ahead pacing with better efficiency. But like I think those DFS props, this might be a spot to, to kind of circle and keep in mind, Maddie. 100%. I'm with you. So, um, good fight there. Uh, they're all good fights. So let's be honest, but yeah. one of my favorite value bets on the card here in this next one. So we're going to dive in. I wonder if we're on the same page here with a couple of vets in one of UFC's deepest divisions, bantamweight, John Castaneda taking on Kyung Ho Kang, Mr. Perfect. Kang coming off that wild firefight against Christian Quinones gets to the first round submission is the underdog there. John Castaneda has piled up, um, pretty impressive wins, not not maybe his last one against me and Gafarov, but he's beaten Miles Johns, um, went the distance with Nathaniel Woods. So he's been in there with some high-level guys. Slight favorite here. Looks to profile to be kind of a competitive, go-the-distance type of fight between these two. Um, do you have a significant lean here like I do on a certain element of this fight? I want to I want to guess who your value spot is here. Yeah. I got a 50-50 chance, so hopefully <laughs> I get this right. <laughs> I'm going to say... Um, mm. I'm going to say it's Castaneda. It's Kang. I love Mr. Perfect oh. here, bro. I really do. Um, it, let me let me just have my spiel, and then I'll ha pass it back over to Let's you. Here's it, some, yeah. quiet, some quiet facts about Kyung Ho Kang. Eight and two in his last 10 UFC fights. We kind of forget that because he had that three-year period off for mandatory right. Korean military service. Only 36 years old. Really hasn't shown his age. Had the finish on Quinones, but also outstruck and handled Donna Bat Garel. Um, his really his only recent setback was against Ronnie Yaya. Got stuck on bottom in the third round there in a pretty close competitive fight. Like when I yeah. look at it, fifty eight percent striking defense, seventy percent takedown defense for his sample of twelve fights in the UFC. Both of those are outstanding. He's got two inches of reach here. I think a little bit of this is age handicapping, but Kang has not looked his age really in any sort of recent fight. Like if he was able to just escape from bottom against Ronnie Yaya, this guy might be on a nine fight winning streak. So mm -hmm. I really love Kang at plus money here. And, and I was surprised that the money was coming in on Castaneda at a couple of sources I checked. Yeah, I agree. It could be uh, just an age thing. And then I think Castaneda has a pretty good fight IQ, but I don't know, man, this, I do lean the plus money here in this spot for sure. I think that if you have to take something, it makes sense to take the plus money here. Yeah, you know, Castaneda, we he he really could have a bet. The only thing that I'm a little afraid of him 
his his four wins in UFC, they're just four and seven combined with the promotion. And a lot of those wins belong to Miles Johns. He's beaten, or I should say that's since the start of 2020, which is kind of the sample size that I use. He beat Eddie Wineland. Um, you know, Muin Gafarov hasn't shown to be pretty competent either in his fight against Saeed or in this one against Castaneda. So you say, okay, well, he's fighting tough competition. But I just feel more comfortable with Kang's sample, given that he's been in there with Bat Garel. Um he went to a split decision with Ricardo Ramos back uh, just, it was after his military service, but it was a while ago back in 2018. So I, I just feel like his experience is going to win out in a spot where I think this is a very close fight. I, we might even be some books offer Maddie a split decision prop. I think mm -hmm. this might be an interesting place to pull one of those out. Both of these guys have been in a few split decisions and and I could see another one here. Yeah, for sure. And that Gafarov win has an age the best either. No, and he went to a decision. Hey, that was when Gafarov was sloppy, had a few fouls in that fight as well. Like, it was just kind of an ugly, dirty fight. I don't know how Castaneda mounts high-level offense here just because Kang has been so good defensively. Yaya's top pressure was much better than Castaneda's is. Um, I don't see that glaring stat where he is able to outpoint Mr. Perfect, but we'll see. You know, aging is very funny in this sport. Maybe the odds makers know something that I don't hear. Yeah, no, I, so, I like this. I like. I think he sold me. <laughs> yes, I love I love Kyung Ho. He's one of my favorite underdogs on the card there. But we got our first New Yorker here in this spot. Jared Gordon from Queens fighting an MSG. That's got to be sick for him coming into this week. And Gordon's honestly put together a nice UFC career. Good little run here. Had that weird, unfortunate fight against Bobby Green that ended in a headbutt. He's taking on the veteran, the Olympian, Mark Madsen. Of course, got the silver medal back in 2016. Um Got definitely got outbid in his own game against Grant Dawson. Actually, both of these guys have been brutalized recently by Grant Dawson, and that's why we thought he was going to beat Bobby Green. But you know, this sport has a way of shocking us over time. But um, a couple of really durable veterans. It's weird. I never even considered this matchup when these guys have been around for what year. <laughs> but here they are in the same tier of lightweight. Um, do you have one of these guys that you maybe like more than the other? Gordon coming back as a minus one eighty favorite. It's pretty much stand put at that number. Yeah, I like Jared Gordon. Uh, I was hoping this fight was going to be closer to a pick em, though. Yeah. Uh, versus the minus 180. Because honestly, I didn't even, I didn't know what to make this fight, right? Um, I think Jared Gordon's a super underrated, though. Mm -hmm. Like, we all know he beat Patty, regardless of what the judges gave. Um, and I just think that, you know, that Bobby Green fight, he was looking really solid. Yeah. You know? And uh, even the Leonardo uh, Santos fight, he looked really good there. I mean, he, 116 to 36. <laughs> yeah, Leo Santos looked so washed that night against Gordon. I think that was the night with the head kick, Edwards Usman, too, or one, yeah, or two, whichever one it was. But, um, yeah. he looked washed against Gordon there. Madsen, you know, what do you what do you make of Madsen's stand up? Because really, he hasn't had to right. stand at distance yet, and that's kind of my concern when Gordon has plus 2.04 striking success rate lands you know, that put that pace on Santos lands 57% of his strikes defends 58%. Like we saw him on the feet with Bobby green. I didn't see a huge gap between those guys. They were both landing shots. If you ask me, I agree. Um, and Bobby green would be a minus 500 favorite here against Madsen. So I think my one concern is Gordon, a former featherweight. Does he have the size to keep Madsen from hugging him and laying on him for 15 minutes? The the reason why, like, I get the value play if you like Madsen here because the size, the element, 
but I hate guys that don't really have a win condition inside the distance. Madsen doesn't really work for damage on the bottom. Never tried a UFC submission attempt. Like, bro, you got to give me something to make a statement in the first round. And like, Gordon has never found a UFC finish either, but I could absolutely see this dude melting someone with his strikes. He's very efficient, could just lay it on. You know, that just speaks to how tough Santos was that he just took such a beating and, and, and didn't go down. But like, I feel like Gordon is going to piece Madsen up on the feet if he's unsuccessful with his takedowns at all. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm actually, I want to see what Gordon versus Gordon by decision versus Gordon by knockout. So I, I was Gordon gonna, by decision, yeah. plus 125, by Get, knockout, plus 500. And here's the way, if I can have any sort of influence on your card, I would definitely lean like round two, round three here. I think it's going to be an accumulation of damage type of thing. Gordon, no knockdowns, no knockouts. He's very much a volume fighter, but I think he could really put it on Mads. It could get ugly. It won't be like the Patty fight where he was able to take Patty down a few times, but Patty's stand-up is much better than Madsen's. He was able to kind of keep his range. He actually had a pretty big reach advantage here. I don't think Madsen knows how to use his, honestly, in this fight. So I, I think Gordon, round two, round three KO, bro. It could plus, be his first UFC finish. Plus 1,400 round two, plus 1,700 round three. What do you think? I, I think if there's going to be a finish. In. Count, me, if, count me in. If there's going to be a finish in this fight, and by the way, I was able to model it, and it's not super likely. Um, I, I've got this fight going the distance 91.1% of the time, which makes sense. Like neither of these guys have a UFC win by finish. Um, no. But Gordon by late knockout accumulation of damage is the one way I see either of these guys finishing each other. Gordon so. has a, a round two KO in 2017. Really? Yeah. And then uh, I think Madsen has won too. Madsen has won in 2019. It must have been ground and pound because it was not his hands. Yeah, I mean, he had one takedown in that first round, so probably. Oh, Gordon got one in his UFC debut. Okay, yeah, that predated my data set, so that's my bad. I mean, it's been a while, but... Yeah. I don't even know who Danilo Bellardo is. I don't remember that fighter <laughs> existing in UFC, so... Yeah. Uh, what is hold on, another thing we haven't even talked about. Yeah. Let's think about Jared Gordon psychologically. He gets yeah. fucked by the judges against Patty. Mm -hmm. Then the fight after that, he was looking good against Bobby Green. He gets headbutted. Yep. Like, this man's going to come out pissed. He's like, I, I'm getting a finish. <laughs> I, I think so, too. And, it, Maddie, if you want to flash up there what Gordon's uh, takedown defense looks like, analytically it's 62%. Most of the damage from that 62% came against Grant Dawson. Dawson yeah. went uh, – let me take a look here uh, specifically. Dawson landed 7 of 17 takedowns, so that was actually pretty high volume into his sample – that can reduce that sort of volume because Gordon's a guy, pretty good wrestler in his own right. I remember he took down Chris Fishgold a few times. He's not typically a guy people try to approach through the wrestling. So Dawson is mostly his sample, um, and it was it was not great. But Madsen actually got taken down and controlled the entire fight by Dawson. So I I think that's just an outlier in general. I think Gordon's defense is pretty good, and I think it's I think more it's about better recovery. too. I really do. Yeah. It's really more about his takedown recovery. Can he make Madsen tired? I think that's where the knockout then would become open. Yeah, 100%. So, um, really intriguing, I think, betting line in that fight. And uh, another one here. I've heard good arguments on the both sides of this lightweight. We have our second guy from New York, second guy from Saralongo, Nazim Sadikov. Used a few fence grabs to get through Terrence McKinney. T-Rex was not too happy about that. That dominates the first round. Sadikov uses a fence grab. 
positions himself for a submission, but still submission win over Terrence McKinney is not a bad feather to have in your cap. And he's got it. Vyacheslav Borshev coming back first time in the UFC as a winner. Mahashate takes him on, knocks him down three times. We know Borshev is an excellent striker, but, but the headline in this fight is can Borshev stay on his feet? He was taken down 19 times across his first two fights in UFC. Um, Really intriguing layered fight of, of how this might look and how it might tilt me. Maddie, do you have a side specifically uh, on this side that you, in this fight that you were looking at? Yeah, so I agree the the fence grab versus McKinney definitely occurred and it was impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think very highly of Evan Elder. I think that dude's legit. And Sadikov was able to 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 edge out a win there. And if he got a late, what was it? Uh, he he got a doctor stoppage, right? He got a doctor stoppage that cut over Elder's eyes. Right, yeah. yeah, I like this guy. He's a little chalky here, uh, but I, I do like his versatility. I think he gets it done. Yeah, trains with Matt Favola, and I think that's the storyline of the fight. You look at Z- Sadikov's wrestling history in UFC, one for one on his takedowns. He went, tried one on Elder, and he got it. Um, never really has come out trying that approach. Like I don't see why you would do that against Terrence McKinney. Evan Elder's a tough guy to take down. Like we saw how well Elder did with some of that defense at 170. Um, I think that is the defining standard of this fight. But I guess because he trains with Matt Frivola, because he trains with Marab and Aljamain Sterling, this guy knows how to wrestle, right? Like that's a yeah. fair assumption to make. And if that's the case, Borshev was taken down eight times by Mike Davis, 11 times by Mark Jacasey. He's just not a good defensive wrestler. That's that's all there is to it. And he has a terrible get-up game. So the intriguing thing is we saw the submission stuff from Sadikov. Sadikov is the first fighter he's faced that averages at least half a submission attempt for 15 minutes. My thing, my prop brain switched on. I wonder what Sadikov by sub pays in this fight. Um, it, it may be undervalued because that was his last outcome, but Borshev has not defended a UFC submission attempt yet. I'm worried he won't be able to the way he's been unable to get, uh, get off his back historically. Yeah, let me take a look here. Let's see. Plus 240. Smallness. I thought it'd be a little higher than that. Yeah. It, I That's in very interesting. That's like oddly interesting because that's typically the sub prop you might see for someone that averages one submission. It's M for 15. Sadikov really hasn't shown that other than the McKinney stoppage. So um, yeah. we just don't know a lot about this guy at this point and what he's capable of. I... I just am worried about anybody that has a pulse wrestling against Borshev. So he is chalky, but I like him. I Like you said, I like the elder win. Um, and I don't have very much respect for Mahashate and his 49% striking defense. So I like I was all over Borshev in that fight. I thought he was going to win because he wasn't finally wasn't going to face a wrestling threat. Really worried about the the wrestling here for Borshev. Slava Claus. Um, but now we go to, and I'm glad, so glad we got this guy added. I still have not found a website that has betting odds on this fight. So if you have Maddie, let me know. Um, I'm guessing Mateusz Rebecki will be the biggest favorite on the card based on what I've, what I've heard and what's been sprinkled out there. Um, Rebecki originally scheduled to face Norello Aliv here, but Roosevelt Roberts. Minus 600. Yeah. He's so big prohibitive favorite, biggest favorite on the card. That's kind of what I figured in this spot for Rebecki because of not only, you know, who he was scheduled to fight, Nirola Ali, but what he did to Lloyd Radjabov. 
And Roosevelt Roberts is a guy that was better probably than you remember. He had a five and four UFC record plus 0.02 striking success rate had some wins at this level, just kind of fizzled out at the end, had the submission against Kevin Kroom loss knocked out by Ignacio Bahamandis, just kind of fizzled out UFC waved goodbye. Right. Um, but now he's back, went through the ultimate fighter, didn't win it, didn't get to the finale, but he, he was on the show and resi ready and present. I think he's taking this fight with Rebecki thinking about his next in mind. But Maddie, do you like Roosevelt Roberts here to maybe put Rebecki a little bit on upset alert? No, I don't. I don't have much of a clue on this fight, though. I haven't spent enough time on it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll lean whatever direction you're you're going here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just came about this morning. I I just look at it as Roberts was a guy that when he was with UFC struggled with his takedown defense, fifty eight percent submitted in two of his last three fights. That's what we've seen Rebecki really do well. And he's a guy that I have a very high opinion of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu black belt. Really honestly kind of reminds me of the path Mateusz Gamrot took here in the same division where had all of those pro wins, long winning streak in Poland, comes over. He's dominated UFC affiliated competition 3-0, and including the Contender Series. Um, he's a very efficient wrestler on paper, 63% striking defense. Roosevelt, typically when you're looking at an underdog in this spot, um, you need a guy that has like knockout power or you remember the Mavsar Evloyev Diego Lopez fight. We'll talk about Lopez later on this card. Submission danger really was able to close the, that fight in moments in tight gaps. Robert's not really a submission guy, no career UFC knockdown. So I don't know what the path to an upset would look like. So um, right. I think Grabecki yeah. plays it safe, takes him down and submits him. That's, that's my, yeah. and this part. is the only fight they haven't dropped uh, exact out from props on side. Yeah. what those numbers look like. What do you think the submission is like even money or minus? <laughs> um, I, I will be very interested to see how they place props in this fight because Roberts has shown some chin issues and Rebecki's coming off that. I mean, he didn't even try a takedown against Rajabov. He just kicked his leg out and it, that was really gruesome to watch like Rajabov barely be able to stand kind of like Adrian Yanez did. But yeah. um, I, I would guess that submission would be the favored path here. Typically in these weird last minute fights, guys play it safe. Uh, and I think that'd be the For safe sure. path for Rebecki, but sure. we have actual data in this next fight up on the card, a better one straw weight battle between a couple of Queens for some of you out there. Some, maybe your favorite women's straw weight fighter, one side or another loopy Godinez, Tabitha Ricci. We're going to fraud check one of these prospects and we'll find out who it is as we match them up together and kind of who moves toward the, the rankings here. I was able to model this guy. I've got a strong lean in this guy, Maddie Tanner. What are you thinking about this guy? We're on the tab of the Ricci, uh, yeah, Rat Ricci or Gadinius, yeah, bro. So I can't fade my girl Ricci no matter what. <laughs> I just can't. I can't do it. I refuse to do it. Here's what I'll say: she's a little gamer, bro. Like she's smart. She's intelligent. She just goes out and wins fights. Yep. Like even in, you know, in her last fight, she came out with the perfect game plan. You know, she's just in and out with her movement. She pieces up Jillian Robertson. 100 to 76 in the striking. You know, then Jessica Penny, for example, she uses the takedown. She finds the submission. Like, her only loss was that TKO against Manafior, which I think she was just way outsized, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit flat. This is a tough fight for me because I like what I saw from, from Lupe Godinez in that last fight, but it was against Elise Reed. So, how right. much I had a massive bet on her inside the distance and like I would have been shocked that she didn't get there. Um, her that one recent loss, what back in 2022, Angela Hill. Mm -hmm. 
which isn't a bad loss. Like Hill's pretty solid and competitive, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to do with this fight. Like I love backing Tabitha Ricci. Everyone was on Jillian Robertson in the last fight. Yep. I backed Tabitha Ricci. Including I just don't think I could fade her in this spot, but I'm also I'm I'm not confident at the same time. It's a th- I think this is a tough matchup. Can I what what is it that has you not confident? I'm just curious. Do you like her? Well, no, I'm just curious. What like do you have something that sticks out when you think of these two in the octagon together and you're like, I don't think she can do that? Not like, really. What would you That's the thing. Like, yeah. I mean, Gardenia's how do you feel about how her wrestling matches up? Because like Gardenia's is a 47% takedown accuracy. Her takedown yeah. defense is good. Um, that's that's the do you thing. Think this is a, a striking match for three rounds. I, that's the thing is I don't. Both of these ladies are very efficient offensive wrestlers against others. Loopy has eighty two percent takedown defense, and I would just say anecdotally, I think her takedown defense is stronger than Ricci's. But I think both of them will be challenged to get each other to the ground. I think this gets yeah. stuck at distance. It actually reminds me a little of Gadinez's fight with Cynthia Calvillo, where they're they're actually pretty both efficient offensive and defensive wrestlers that one played out at distance. So um, I I could see it happening that way. And frankly, I just have more confidence in loopy if it's a striking match, just because I've seen her, you know, go toe to toe with Angela Hill for 15 minutes in a striking match, went toe to toe with Calvillo in a striking match. Like I think the only indictment on Ricci at this point is her level of competition because Jillian is very one dimensional, not a good striker whatsoever. Right. Um, and uh, Jessica Panay is like 40 years old and Ricci submitted her in the second round, but like Godinez would have ragdolled her as well. So um, it, it, it's, it's, I think Godinez fought Panay a couple years ago, but Jessica, unfortunately, yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, she, uh, she, she lost the Panay in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. It, it's certainly, I, I think they'll definitely both be fighting left-handed. I was able to model this guy and typically I would say my model leans toward underdogs more often than not because of historical tendencies, but I've got Gadinez at minus 185 here. Right this second on FanDuel Sportsbook, Gadinez is minus 180, 174. So I'm oh, basically really? I'm basically about yeah. even with that. Um yeah. I don't feel good in laying a chalk it laying the chalk in a fight that I think is almost certainly gonna go all 15 minutes. I don't see either of these ladies finishing each other. Um like Loopy is someone that I could if you and I come into the end of the show and we're like looking for a parlay piece I don't feel strongly enough about Loopy to like convince you to throw her in a parlay, but I do handily think she's the side that wins this fight. I have more confidence in her sample. I have more confidence in her athleticism and her striking. Um, I, I just think I, I just think the world of of Gadinez, and I think she's a title challenger. So um, I, I'm taking her in this spot. Yeah, sounds, so sounds Loopy, like both of us are a little hesitant on this one. Yeah, I am. I just love Tabitha Ricci. For yeah. obvious reasons someone else does but, someone else in the mma media does as well very prominently <laughs> but um it, let's let's move on here to our next fight yeah. up on the card featured prelim sticking it, it, it this at a smaller weight class here men's flyweight really intriguing matchup believe it or not one fight into his ufc career steve ersig is already ranked in this division and that's what happens when you go in beat david dvorak on short notice in your debut that was on short notice too so very, very impressive result for Ursig in Canada earlier this summer. And then Alessandro Costa just absolutely mashed Jimmy Flick's face in earlier this summer as well. So both of these guys riding high off a win. Winner here takes a step toward the top 10 in a growing competitive flyweight landscape. I was a little surprised to see this betting line trending in the direction of Mr. Steve Ursig. 
Um, do you have a particular lean on one of these prospects that we haven't seen very much of so far? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that sticks out to me is Costa almost went the distance with Amir Abazi. Yeah. He made it to the third round. I think Abazi's really good. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's really solid. I mean, I know that split decision against Kai Car France was debatable or controversial. Um, but I think Abazi's really good. So that's the only thing that really sticks out to me. I lean, I lean dogger pass here, um, but I also haven't spent a lot of time on this fight either. Yeah, I just, I really fell in love with Ursig a little bit in his toolkit, like when I was studying the Dorak fight. So maybe I'm kind of biased that he cashed a pretty big ticket for me there. So you always want to check your bias at the door, right? Yeah. Um, and we don't know a lot about him at this point. Dvorak is just kind of this ugly grinder. Went the distance with Manel Kopp, went the distance with Mateus Nicolau. Like, you're never going to get Dvorak out of there in pretty fashion. Um, the one thing I think might be a little underrated about Ursig coming into this fight is his striking. He's big for this division, 5'8", 68-inch reach. Like, both these guys have pretty long reach for this division. And Costa has shown the power against guys like Jimmy Flick, um, whoever it was he got on the contender series that I don't even remember at this point. Ursig really hasn't had those same signature moments, but he does have a couple of like regional drops or when you watch him, he drops a guy and then maybe he jumped on a submission, which is more his, his bread and butter. Costa also a black belt here. So I, I kind of see the ground as a stalemate here. I lean Ursig a little bit with the striking. Costa, two of his three professional losses by knockout. He was dropped twice by Albezi, which is only concerning to me because Amir's not really a great striker, right? Um, he's got power, but not a great technical striker. And I think Ursig actually is. We, you can throw that up if you want the Go Birds we just got in chat. Um, <laughs> you can throw the Birds just cashed last week. The so. spread too, baby. Yeah, they cover the spread too. And they're on bye yeah. this week, right? Minus three. What's that? The Eagles are on bye this week, right? Yeah. Okay. We got distracted, but um yeah. Good question. Southpaw versus Orthodox. Let me double check because I don't keep that in my in my original data here. I th- I thought Costa was kind of a switch guy. Uh no, he's Orthodox and then Ursig also Orthodox. So no no off-handed matchup here. Um yeah. so I, I kind of lean Ursig, not a ton of confidence in this fight. I've heard some confidence from both sides. I don't really know how you can be. The samples aren't big enough. Agreed. So um, we are up onto the main card, Maddie. I am so, I really need your help with this fight. I really like, this is the one I circled. I'm like, I need Maddie's help because I know he's going to know both of these guys. And like, I want to check myself because I I don't think I'm on the right side, like process wise, but I just only see one path that this fight ends. So I'll tell you about it here. Pat Sabatini, five and one UFC, kind of that Philly tough wrestler. Got a, got a vicious submission in his last fight. Diego Lopez, what can you say? Not only has he resurrected Alexa Grasso's BJJ and lifted her to the belt in that division, he's also got some really impressive submission performances. Got the win over Gavin Tucker earlier this year. And then on short notice, gave Mubsar Evloyev everything he could handle. That man, one of those arm bars was in deep. I don't know how Evloyev bent around that. So Lopez, a jiu-jitsu threat, kind of a throwback. Sabatini, a wrestler. Um, really intriguing fight here. I, I'm just curious about your thoughts, man. Yeah, so... Let me ask you a question. Do you think there's a world where Sabatini just strikes here? Um, Because Lopez see, doesn't have good striking defense. Yeah. He's dangerous as hell on the ground. I'm almost wondering if Sabatini's like, hey, I'll just come in and strike with this guy. 
I think he's going to get his blown doors blown off if he does. Like look, Lopez had really? a couple of really nice moments regionally before he got to UFC as a striker. I I kind of I kind of stereotyped him as more of a club and sub guy as I was prepping that Evoyev fight, and then he just kind of was rolling off his back the entire time. Did the same thing uh, to yeah Lopez cracks, and this is a guy that got chinned by Damon Jackson, Pat Sabatini. Did. I know, so yeah, that... <laughs> um, I don't think either of these guys are super comfortable at distance, and I think that's where this fight might reside, which kind of really opens it up. And I I think the pick em, near pick em odds here are very appropriate. Yeah, I, I can't. I don't think I can bet against Lopez here in this spot. Um, I like him as a dog here. I think. Like you said, if you like him, if you think he's live on the feet, that that's even more compelling to me. Um, I'm actually genuinely curious what a Lopez, uh, the Matty Best special uh, submission guy by knockout would pay here. Yeah, so I want to take a look at this. I have to know what his I, knockout plot would pay. I, I got to be honest with you. I feel like we've gotten the submission trickster Lopez so far. I think he's a he's a guy that can hang on the feet in the UFC. I think I, I think we may look back at this fight and look, think Lopez should have been minus three hundred if he comes in and strikes like kind of what I'm profiling regionally. He does have two inches of reach, which does help if two guys don't really know what they're doing. Um, like I'm with you. And the problem is Lopez is the scariest thing in UFC possible for a handicapper. He's a chalky dog, right? Like 80% of the tickets and money at a couple of sources that I was looking at coming in on Diego. This line really hasn't budged a whole lot. I, I've talked to a couple of sharps that are all about Sabatini here. I just don't see it. I think Lopez is the guy that cracks on the feet. I think he's more live to find a submission. How I see Pat Sabatini winning this fight is surviving submissions for 15 minutes and laying on top of him. That's the only way I see Pat Sabatini winning this fight. So, yeah, which that is possible for sure. Yeah, it is possible. He's a very efficient wrestler. Lopez is willing to accept bottom time. Um, yeah. Here's a good that? comment from someone that says he trains with Pat at his home gym. He coaches Wednesday classes, IQ yeah. and talent. And wrestling and jiu-jitsu is amazing. Would not bet against it. So I would say dominate him on the ground. Yeah, I would say that I don't think Lopez would be wise to play off his back here because Sabatini just doesn't really fall for the tricks. Um, like, I, there are a couple of guys that tried that against him. Tristan Connolly did that in his UFC debut. Yeah. Doesn't really fall for the traps, um, and you just end up losing empty control time. I would give Lopez the the advice to strike in this fight. Jamal Emmers hurt Pat Sabatini, had him on the ground. It, for whatever reason, it wasn't recorded by a knockdown, but I watched that fight this week. Like, Emmers, Emmers got him. Um, and, and both of these striking defenses are iffy. I, I like Lopez here, but it scares me to death because he's such a public trendy dog, bro. Oh, he definitely is a massive yeah. trendy dog. I think it's just because yeah. of his haircut too. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Lopez by KO plus 425. Sabatini by KO plus 1200. You might just bet them both, bro. Um, and, and see if a chin game, because they both have great jujitsu. Like, I in if you sprinkle both of those, like you're guaranteed two units if you put a half unit on both. I mean, so. Sabatini by KO at plus 1200, like the ground and pound, you could be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, we talked about this a little. We didn't end up getting to see Rodolfo Vieira, but also Kyle Baraglio in that fight, and it played out exactly like I said, not super yeah. willing to use his hands. And Sabatini is that way a little bit as well, attempts less than three significant strikes per minute. So, woof. Um, and, and like that's most of his time has been in control time, but you can score significant strikes in in, in ground situations. Jarrettson Almeida did last week. Sabatini just doesn't really he values position more so than strikes. So I I don't know if I see I the still, ground. I still can't believe that fight went the distance. So yeah. I have fight to start round two, 
And the scariest part of that fight was the first 60 seconds. Absolutely. And then after that, I was like, I'm live now because I had fight to start round two for a unit. Yep. And I had both guys get a finish in round two. I was like, how do I not hit here? Yeah. And somehow it goes all five rounds. So question in the chat, Sabatini, what is Sabatini by decision? Plus 250. Not a bad number. Yeah. That's not a bad number at all when I think it's his path to victory as the minus 130-something favorite. So that's not certainly not bad at all. But, Maddie, I, we had guys going back and forth in chat when we started this show talking about this because I think it is a little bit of a better's main event here. A couple of f- lightweights that have been cashing tickets left and right. Benoit Saint-Denis looked like an absolute possessed goddamn monster in France earlier this year, just bludgeoning Tiago Moises, pillar to post. Matt Frivola, three straight first-round knockouts. This is this before we got the Rubechki news was the largest line on the card. Like Benoit Saint Denis was its biggest favorite. Um, I I love the guy. I also don't know how I feel about that at first glance. I was able to model this guy, but Maddie, we've kind of jabbed at each other in passing about this. But I I haven't gotten your official thoughts. Who do you like at this betting line? So I think I think Benoit opened at like minus three hundred plus. Yeah. I'm pretty sure BSD was a three to one plus favorite, and it's yeah, he opened out. very heavy, very heavy. Yeah, it was over three to one, I think. That was the spot to get Frivola on the money line, in my opinion. Okay. I still believe that Frivola is going to win this fight by knockout on the feet. I really do. I think that I think this is the perfect matchup for him. And here's the thing, bro. I'm like a massive BSD fan. I think he's yep. the truth, but I just think styles make fights. Frivola has the wrestling in his back pocket. BSD comes with so much forward pressure, and I think he's going to pressure Frivola up against the fit, up against the cage, and I think Frivola is going to land on him. I really do. I, that's how I see the fight playing out. Frivola has found his power. Three straight round one knockouts. He cracked Drew Dober's chin. He's a guy that has momentum, and I, I can't ignore it. And it is scary against BSD because yep. I told myself, I was like, I'm going to ride – I'm going to keep taking BSD every fight. Like, this guy's not losing based on what I've seen. Yeah. And then when they announced this matchup, I'm like, fuck. I, like, yeah. I, can't, I don't know what to do. And I hate the fact that I missed out on the early money line because I should have locked that in. Because um, I actually think there's also a world where this could just be violence for three rounds. Oh, yeah. Um, but based God, on what I saw bad. out of BSD's last fight, that chin is there to be hit. Mm-hmm. Like, it is there. He's just tough as hell. Yeah, but. It, we saw Drew Dober, what happened there. And I'm telling you what, like, Matt Favola can absolutely crack. I think he has enough wrestling defense here on the feet to keep this standing. Not the whole fight, but at times. And I think he can get back up to his feet. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I want to see, what is this fight? To, the over one and a half is plus 120. I mean, that's pretty crazy. That's that is pretty crazy with just both how durable both of these guys have been. Like Favola rolled 15 minutes with Armin Saryukin. How how do you think he's he's gonna lose this? Oh, well, I guess he did get chinned by Terry. The chin McKinney's the only thing, and that was so wild ago. And then he fought Luis Pena, who yep. I, I uh, was one of my boys he ended up moving. Yep. But um, I just look at that fight, I was like, damn, like but I think Favola is a different breed now. Like I just think yeah. he's evolved. I just think the Matt Favola from you know, that Terrence McKinney fight, the Luis Pena fight, even the yeah. Armin Suzuki fight. Like, I think these are two completely different guys now. That that Matt Frivola pushed you up against the cage, tried to go for double legs, switched to singles, uses wrestling to control the fight. 
this one throws hammers for as long as the fight has lasted and it's been less than five minutes in the last three times. Um, yeah. What if I told you my model had this 67% to end by knockout? So whatever that knockout fight ends prop comes out at is going to show value, whether you like Frivolo or St. Denis here. I, to speak to your point analytically, Benoit St. Denis, 44% striking defense is terrible. We remember he was lit up by Elijah Zaleski dos Santos, you know, like he, yeah, he ate shit, didn't get sparked at welterweight. So we know the chin is there. It's just, so you can only take that damage for so long. And he's had really three great matchups. It's Nicholas Stolze, Gabriel Miranda, Tiago Moises, low volume guys, more grapplers than strikers. Frivola throws a lot of volume out there. He's obviously hits with power. You look at Frivola now. He's tied for second all-time in UFC knockdowns in a fight with four, 2.36% knockdown rate. Like I was talking to you before the Frivola-Dober fight. You liked Dober. I liked Frivola, and I was like, I'm worried about Dober's defense. I think Dober's defense is way better than Benoit St. Denis. So I uh, am in intrigued to, to hear you come out with that outcome because I, I would bet if I had a single prop that showed value in my model – I've got Frivola about 32% to win by knockout. Whatever his implied odds is this dog are, it's going to be way longer than that. Oh, 100%. I just texted Luis Pena. I want to know what his thoughts are. Yeah. I said, do you think Frivola knocks out BSD? So he's fought uh, he's fought Matt Frivola. I think it was a – so Frivola won by decision. Um, that was back in 2019. <laughs> um, but I want to see what he thinks here. But, yeah, I, I mean, he beat Jalen Turner back in 2019. Right, I think that was such a fluke. Yep, that was such a fluke knockout that I'm just going to throw that out. It's like it's like saying Jose Aldo was bad defensively or had a bad chin because of the McGregor thing, right? Like those fluke things yeah. happen, you know. Yeah, um, I agree. Now, who whose gas tank do you prefer if this fight Frivola. gets to the second or third? I, I'm not picking against a Sarah Longo gas tank, bro. Marab is like a cyborg. I'm taking Frivola. Whatever their cardio training program is, is yeah. the best in UFC. Frivola. Yeah, this is crazy, bro. This could be fight of the year if it doesn't end early. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. This could, like, I maybe I should make this my fight of the night, but I'm, a, you know, I for my fight of the night for DFS, I want length. I want, like, significant strike points. I yeah. don't know if this one has length, bro. Like, I think these guys could just trade in a booth until one of them goes down. Um, And and Frivola, Frivola's game, dude, like, I was surprised to see this betting line. And I think BSD might be a touch inflated. I've never been a Tiago Moises guy. I don't love his level of competition. And I'm a little worried about how that Zaleski dos Santos fight went because, like, if there was a proper referee in there, Zaleski stopped him in the second. Um, you, you remember the referee just let him wail on B BSD forever and ever and ever. And, like, the guy got removed from his future assignments on the card. If there was a referee, Benoit would have lost by TKO there. So. Yeah. I, I think it's possible. I, I love your read on that. So you actually did help me a bunch there. So yeah. third to last fight. Good, the card. That's a good question. How do you think the line will move? So I don't know what Austin thinks, but the fact that this line went down from minus three something, I think this is around where it's going to stick at going into this weekend. I don't think, well, actually I'm seeing. It's minus is it? 220 on Monday. It's now minus 245. So Benoit's climbing a little bit again. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm actually seeing plus what, what plus one eighty Frivola plus one ninety. Yeah, and I would expect this moves in say because what the books are hedging against there parlays, um, props like all of those things move in conjunction, and Saint Denis is getting hammered on those fronts here. So right. um, I yeah, I would, he's going to be the parlay buster, bro. I can feel it. There are a few 
I mean, we're going to go to this next fight up on the card, which you might think I'm absolutely bonkers insane for, but like my favorite underdog on the card is here. Just oh. And it's Mackenzie Dern taking on Jessica Andrade. Number one, these two ladies, very accomplished top 10 in straw weight. So like you've got two really high level girls here, but like, man, Mackenzie looked so good in her last fight against Angela Hill. Really she absolutely good. dominated that fight four or five that rounds. Was the biggest ass whooping I've seen. Yeah. And like it showed a new dimension to Dern power, confidence, striking a little bit better on the takedown accuracy. Like there was significant improvement there that I do not yeah. want to throw away. Uh, and then Jessica Andrade just lost three in a row, submitted by Aaron Blanchfield, submitted by um, uh, your girl, Tatiana Suarez, Tatiana Suarez, and then knockout loss to Yen Jounin, very short notice. Like, I think Andrade is shooting herself in the foot a little bit with all these short camps. She's That's all been within the last six she's months. She's just trying to turn some cash, bro. Yeah, absolutely. And she said that before, like she needs the cash, like she's got an OnlyFans. So that's kind of the ugly part of this sport that you kind of forget about sometimes is like some of these people actually need money and so they just take whatever's in front of them odds makers don't like her chances of taking this one on decently short notice but three months pretty full camp for her dern's a big favorite here you do you like mac given my your reaction to to my underdog play here yeah no so i was torn on this fight interesting like here's what i'll say what if is there a world where mackenzie dern maybe falls in love with the striking a little bit too much and she gets cracked that's very dangerous. Because coming dangerous. off his last fight, bro. I mean, I know she also had a lot of takedowns and control time, but she was striking with Angela Hill, and she mm -hmm. she doubled her significant strikes. And again, a lot of that probably came from the ground. Yep. Um, but we see it all the time when fighters are like, "Oh, I can strike now," and then this. I mean, Andrade can crack harder than anyone in the division. Yep. Not as hard as anyone in the division. So I don't know. I mean, do you think or do you like her by finish, or do you think she can win a? a I don't know that she can win a decision here. Um, I, you know, I think I think she can. It's really just about how much you want to buy into Dern's potential improvement. Because overall, here, let's remember who Mackenzie Dern was against Marina Rodriguez, who she was against Yan Jaunin last late last fall, so like less than a year ago. And by mm -hmm. the way, ten months ago, Jessica Andrade set this division's record of significant strikes, two hundred thirty-one on Lauren Murphy. She That's busted Lauren That's Murphy apart. And yeah. like, um, I, I guess it wasn't this division. It was up at flyweight against a larger opponent. Like, I don't think Andrade's hands are in question here. You, I more so looked at her level of competition. Like Blanchfield, I think is arguably the best 125 or in the world, really right? Tatiana Suarez might be the next champion here at strawweight, depending on how her battle goes with, with Wele. Um, and, and then the Yen Jenan, Jenan thing. Short, short turnaround. Yeah. 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 Yen's good. It should it, be and she just here. marked forward with her chin in the air. It was so reckless. I think she's learned from that. Yeah, um, I like that this is the first fight on the main card. I think it's great. Yeah. Well, well, what do you wait? What do you mean? You're like this is it's, the third fight on the main card, bro. Is it really? Yeah. So this is we're handing out belts after this, and oh, like I'm I looking just, at it upside down on Fanduel. I oh, thought this was the first fight of the of the main card. No, no, that's uh for that is uh Lopez and Sabatini is the first. Gotcha. Fight that's a good one so, too to start it off with. But yeah, I like yeah. that this is on the main card in general. This Me too. Is, I think this is one of the greatest fights of the night. This card I, is just so stacked everywhere. Like every yeah, fight is good. Yeah, here's here's where I see how I see Andrade winning this fight and why. By the way, I modeled this out. Both these ladies have plenty of data and like Mackenzie Dern not being able to get takedowns. She wasn't like hyper efficient against Angela Hill either. That's a problem, right? And like. I've got Andrade at 54.2% to win historically. 
elite level of competition, insane striking peripherals, positive efficiency, both offensive and defensive. And by the way, 70% takedown defense. She really made Tatiana Suarez work for quite a bit in that fight in order to get takedowns to the ground. Mackenzie has not been nearly as efficient as Tatiana Suarez, right? Um, so I, I think how this looks is Andras stuffs a bunch of takedowns. She's very, very fast with her feet. Dern has been kind of slow and clunky, 51% striking defense historically. If Dern isn't getting early takedowns, there is a potential snowball here where Andraj at 115, she's had a lot of power. I could see her getting her out of there. I could see her winning three rounds on volume. And I could see Dern, I could see this being an uglier version of Dern's fight with Marina Rodriguez. And I think Andraj is better than Rodriguez, man. She's only 32. She's not washed, in my opinion. I just found the craziest long shot in the world. What you got? Oh my God. I can't even believe this is a real number. What you got? Again, it's not on FanDuel yet, but it okay. will be soon. Okay. Jessica Andras by submission plus twenty five hundred. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it should be that because she's got a his, history of submission, and like if this gets into deep waters, is theoretically where you think it happens, right? Bro, and here's what I'll say. Okay, yeah. hear me out on this. This is a crazy number. Hear me out on this. Jessica Andras. I know is that it was a little fluke, right? But it was that stand-in submission. Right against uh, Lamos, against Lamos, right, and then yep. Lamos goes in to the Wei Li fight and defends a million submissions. I had Wei Li by sub in that fight. I remember how painful it was. What was it five rounds, right? Five round fight, I believe. Yep, it and was. She had a million submissions that I thought the fight was over, and she defended all of them. But Andrade was able to submit her on the feet. And then you look at Andrade, uh, some of the submissions. She's had other submissions in the UFC. She had, what was it, one back in – she had a guillotine. Yep. That was back in 2016. She had uh, – uh, she had two guillotines. She has two guillotine chokes, and then she had that stand-in arm triangle. Mm-hmm. That's crazy at 25-1, to 1, especially considering that Mackenzie Dern will wrestle. She will put her neck out there. She'll do different things. I get that the KO is way more likely, but that number is crazy because the KO is plus 400 and the submissions plus 2,500. I mean, that's (laughs) crazy numbers. It is when, you know, you don't typically get someone that has a record of UFC submission success, especially as recently as 2022 at 25 to one for a specific outcome. Right. I think that what that is, is that Mackenzie Dern's vaunted Brazil, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Right. But to be honest with you, it hasn't been that special at this top level. Uh, she wasn't able to submit Yan Jianin despite two attempts. She wasn't able to submit Marina Rodriguez. She wasn't able to submit... You You throw your fighter out there that she hasn't been able to submit. Really, her last her last like submission came against Nina Ansaroff, Randa Marcos, Hannah Cyphers. She hasn't been this lethal submission threat against these other girls that are black belts themselves, yeah. as Jessica is. And by the way... You, you got to remember with Andrade, she's moving between weight classes. She's a very different fighter at 115 than 125. Fought Valentina, got her ass kicked. Fought Tatiana at 125, got her ass kicked. Blanchfield got her ass kicked. All those girls are bigger than she is. I think against 115, she's still very, very dangerous and powerful. Yeah, no, nah, I need that submission long shot in my life, bro. <laughs> well, I'm glad I could. Let, let, me, let me see what I got for you. I got Andrade by sub 8%. So you're telling me there's a chance. Yeah, I mean, that's that's positive EV. Yes, sir. So I, I mean, like, you're telling yeah, me. Yeah, because like, yeah, what do you, 
What's the break-even number on that? It's like half. Uh, let me t- let me take a look here. So if it's at eight, it, what I have implied, it would be plus eleven hundred would be what I had implied. But it's so it's basically double. it's twice as long as it should be. According, we'll to see me. what that number actually is on Fanduel in probably about. I, I not hour. to be a company man. Fanduel usually gives long prices on props compared to what They're I can. Always find the on best with with the yeah. exact outcomes. I won't use any other site. It's pretty rare. So that and I didn't slip Maddie any money to say that, but we're on to the belt <laughs> here. Interim heavy champ, uh, interim heavy champ, right? It uh, this fight to me is so much better and more, so much more enjoyable for us MMA nerds than the Jones Stipe fight. I thought John was just going to handle his business there. Stipe, basically a firefighter at this point. This is arguably the two best heavyweights on the planet. You got the baddest man on the planet, theoretically, Sergey Pavlovich. This dude has done nothing, and I mean nothing besides knock guys out in the first round. Tom Aspinall, his only defeat was that ACL tear. He's finished guys in the second round or earlier ever since as well. More of a well-rounded skill set on Tom. It's about a pick I really don't know how you could make it anything, but my model has a definitive lean, but I'll talk about some of the flaws in that. Matt, this is a sick fight. Give me your thought. We've talked about this ad nauseum as a hypothetical fight. It is now here on Saturday, injuries pending, and you know, knock on wood that, that nothing happens to this fight. What are you thinking here, man? It's scary as hell to bet against Sergey Pavlovich, especially when he's the underdog. Mm-hmm. You're thinking to yourself, hey, I can get plus money or even money on a guy that has literally starched everyone he's ever fought in the UFC. Right. He's about as scary as it gets. Here's what I'll say. I have to back Tom Aspinall. The only thing that makes me even hesitate is the fact that he's still not that far away from you know, far off from that injury. And, mm-hmm. you know, if, but the fact that odds makers made him a small favor here yeah. kind of makes me more confident on him. The guy has more ways to win. Yep. Pavich, we know how he can win. He can start Tom Aspinall. I also get scared because I do see Aspinall with his chin in the air sometimes, yep. especially in the first 10 seconds of that Curtis Blades fight before. But I don't think he respected Curtis Blades striking the nah. way he will with Pavlovich. Aspinall can win this fight by decision. He can win by submission. He can win by by TKO. I think he's more ways to win. I've been saying for two years now he's the best heavyweight in the world, so I can't fade him. I'm on record so high on this man, so I can't fade him now, even though it is scary to back him against Sergey Pavlovich. I have to trust that Aspinall's going to be smart in this fight the way that Curtis Blades was not. Yep. Um, And – I think Aspinall can do can set the takedowns up better. Agreed. Because he has better now, now granted, Curtis Blade striking has come a long way, but Aspinall, nobody moves like this guy. You're yep, gonna see the lateral way. movement, you're gonna see the in and out movement, you're gonna see the takedown attempts. Um, he has to be smart in that first round, though. I'm not gonna be surprised if he gets knocked out in the first round, but if that happens, mm-hmm. the sports book can have my money. I'm backing him here. I like him in this spot. I want to see that number get down a little bit more. I'm expecting the public to keep pumping Pavlovich in this spot. I do think more tickets, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think more of the tickets are on him. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think this fight has already come down some. I think he was around minus 130 or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping I can get Aspinall at a near, probably not a pick him, but maybe like minus 110, minus 115 by Saturday. Yeah. Um, and that's where my money will be. I'm waiting for submission for sure. Yeah, I'm waiting on this one too. And like you and I talked, I think this fight has a doppelganger. When Stipe Miocic and Francis Ngannou first fought, Francis was this boogeyman that had knocked out quite literally everybody up the rankings, right? Very similar to how Pavlovich did. 
And Stipe was able in that first fight, the first fight, not the second one where Frank, you know, he was a little older. Francis knocked him out. The first fight, Francis's cardio came into play. Francis's wrestling defense came into play. And that was a five round fight. And Stipe basically was able to wrestle him and did whatever he wanted after he got out of the first six, seven minutes or so. And like, it's not that I don't think Pavlovich has trained for some of this stuff. I don't, I don't want to write him off as a guy that has a decent get up from his wrestling, decent wrestling defense. Like we've just never had to see it challenged because he's quite literally taken everybody's heads off before that. Um, and the thing about it is he does have the frightening power that you are afraid to fade, right? 4.83% knockdown rate. But like, not only does my model think Tom Aspinall is the best heavyweight in the world, it thinks it's that he's the best pound for pound fighter in the world because like 66% striking bro. accuracy. 65% striking defense, never has had a takedown stuffed, average 3.7 per 15 minutes, great submission guy, 1.9 per 15. And like his sample's a little bit bigger. He had a full round with, with Andre Arlovsky, right? Um, the Blades fight was very short. Tibera made it a few minutes in. Like Pavlovich's sample is actually smaller. And some of his efficiency metrics, the accuracy's not as strong. The striking defense isn't as strong. It's just been the power behind those hands. He's a big dude. Like he's got, he's got what, six inches of reach here. That is not a small thing to overcome, but we saw what a difference footwork made in the Cyril Gon Sergei Spivak fight, right? Like I was wrong about that one. Aspinall has great footwork and it may be able to, this end up may be disappointing because it's kind of a boring fight because Aspinall doesn't take many chances because he stays at distance and manages that properly. Maybe this is a bit of a boring fight as you've kind of seen at heavyweight before, but I have I totally believe this is a very small price to pay when Aspinall has all of these advantages on paper that I've seen before, all of them. Um, yeah, you know I've got it modeled at minus three twenty here, and that's just holy shit. But you know you got to understand my model takes into context it it does take into context the knockdown rate, but Aspinall's is also two point four two percent himself. So the relative difference in power what's four point eight three percent. So it's uh it's a little less than double, but. Yeah. Yeah, but like the thing is, is two point four to four two percent is still a ninety fifth percentile or better. But Tom's getting takedowns too. Yep. Which that yeah. And yeah. So I it's, mean, look, look who Sergey's who has Sergey fought that even has close to the movement or the footwork of Aspinall. I, nobody like especially blades where his striking is most behind at this point is his footwork it's i don't think it's his hand it's i think his hands are pretty quick he's, he has a lot of power but i think it is his footwork and then you look at tai to ivasa kind of kind of sloppy right we saw what Volkov and Ty just Ty just got into a slugfest with him yeah i mean that's my only fear is i'm, I'm questioning I, does aspinall have that ego that he's I, like i'm gonna slug with this guy i don't think he does don't think um, so i think we're gonna see a i think we're gonna see Early on, I think we're going to see Aspinall try to have Sergey chase him. Yep. Like, you know, some lateral movement. Yep. Um, like, you just do not want to come out and slug with this guy the first 120 seconds of the fight, it, you know? And and I want to bring this up because my model actually has Aspinall 63% to win by knockout. No one has gotten to the point where they've tested Sergey Pavlovich's chin. And Aspinall might be... Even in the tie fight, there wasn't some... No, Ty landed two total significant strikes, and I believe one of them was a leg kick. So... Like yeah. that's what I mean. Derek Lewis, one significant strike. Curtis um, Blades landed 14, but how significant were they? Yeah, know? like I I mean, and then before that, Shamil Abdurakimov, Maurice Green, Marcelo Gollum. Like remember, uh, Alistair Overham took this guy down and powered him down. This is a long, long time ago, but he took him down, he powered him down, got the finish on the ground. Like 
you never know how good these heavyweights are on the ground. And Pavlovich, we haven't seen it. I maybe he's he he's just totally knockout or bust here because he could, can believe he starts starches anybody. And then Aspinall makes him look like an amateur on the mat, similar to John Jones, Cyril Gunn, right? So, yeah. um, a lot of different ways this fight plays out. I think a vast majority of them end up with Tom winning. Uh, so I got to ask you this from a DFS standpoint because yep. I'm ready to hammer this. Okay. Aspinall significant strikes over under 23 and a half. I, I would be, I would probably project he'd need about four or five, six minutes in order to get that done. Because like, I don't expect him to be particularly active in this fight. All of his sparkling peripherals might go downhill because uh, he's going to be very patient here is my guess. Yeah. So go backtracking here. Yeah. Mackenzie Dern, 41 and a half. Ooh, for significant strikes in a three rounder. Uh, I will take the over. I I'd take over there because like, I, th- I think she'll be behind in the striking, but if she doesn't have success wrestling, she's going to be forced at distance. I would take the over. And then BSD over under two takedowns. Oh man. Um, I think that's a good line for Vol- Yeah. Frivola's takedown defense is not bad. He's defended seven of nine attempts from everybody that wasn't Armin Saryukian. Um, but, and BST hasn't been the most efficient wrestler in the world. Just 36%. I would take, I would take the under and maybe it'll push if it's 2.0. Yeah. And then he's at 41 and a half significant strikes. Benoit. Uh, Benoit. Benoit. I think, I, I think that goes, I, I just think both guys are tough enough, you know? Yep. I agree. I, I would take the over. I, I actually project a little bit of length in this Frivola St. Denis. I, I don't think it'll end in seconds. I think it'll be a war. But I don't think yeah. it'll end like in the first minute, for sure. So um, right. it is main event time, and, and I think we we've got a good one for you. We were talking about this just a little again. We tried not to talk before the show because we want it to be organic back and forth conversation. Because like some of these fights we haven't made up our mind on pretty much, but like I think this is a great discussion fight here. Alex Pereira, we knew he was headed to light heavyweight to get big fights. How about a title fight right away, or at least one win in over Jan Blachowicz, taking on the former champion here. Yuri Prohaska never lost this belt in the octagon, had the shoulder injury, relinquished it. That's what opened the door for, for Jamal Hill, who has now done the same thing. So we've got Yuri back. Alex, for the first time in a title fight at 205, man. Um, strong opinions on both sides here. Uh, what I believe you gave out Alex Pereira at even money. He's now minus 150 or so. So yeah. you already got some CLV on that bet. What made you inclined to bet Alex in this particular matchup? Yeah, so I gave out Alex at minus 110 for three units. Um, I got that number on September 21st, so about just under two months, uh, about a month and a half ago. Um, I gave that out at a three-unit play. Literally, the only reason I did it was because I knew the closing line value was going to be there. You're looking yep. at a guy coming off a of surgery against a guy that the public is always going to be back in, in Alex Pereira. Like, the public is always going to be taking this guy. Yep. Um, so that line moved quite a bit. I'm glad I got that number. If I wanted to, I could hedge out. <laughs> uh, there wouldn't really be much of anything or any reason to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I mean, depending on the number I can get Yuri at by Saturday, like if I can get him at plus 130, like cool, I can make a little few pennies there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I love Alex Pereira in this fight. I do have my concerns for sure. Yuri's very unorthodox. He can land a spin and elbow. He can land yeah. all this crazy shit he does. And Pereira is there to be hit. But I just have this theory that every time he fights, 
he gets better in MMA. And even in that last Adesanya fight, he was dominating that fight until he wasn't. And I'm hoping that's not what happens here because I do know that that is a realistic uh, possibility that he could be winning the striking exchanges until he isn't. And that loss is still not that far away. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, he just took on a fight and he looked pretty good against Jan Blachowicz. Um, And I took Alex Pereira by decision in that Jan Blachowicz fight. It, played, it paid plus 650. People thought I was crazy for that bet. When we hit that bet, the reason I took that was because I knew the grappling could come into play and the damage could just do more. Alex could do more overall damage in the fight. Yep. Do you think Yuri is going gonna, is gonna to grapple and wrestle in this fight at all? So, um, I do. I think he can. Do, I do think, you think well, he will? Um, I, I think, think they're both going to strike. I think I can't see Yuri. I can't see him doing it. I could see Yuri shooting if he wasn't having early success. I could. The the thing is, is nut, that, though, he's an absolute nut. I don't look is, at him as like a high IQ guy. I look at him true. like a psychopath. Yeah. And I think both of these guys are going to give the fans what they want. I mean, how does this thing go the distance if neither of them shoot? Yeah. I, I, I think, I think I totally agree. And like the thing about Yuri is he's such a tough guy for me, especially cause I love data because he literally two ranked fights pops right into UFC from over in risen. And like, I had the profile on him entering that Glover to share a fight of this guy's a very high volume, creative, unique, efficient, offensive striker, very hittable. And that's still there. Just a 40% striking defense. Glover. Actually sorry, you uh, Yuri Prohaska. Yeah, and yeah. and Glover lit him up quite a bit in that fight on the feet. Glover was able. To I still to this day cannot believe that fight ended like that. The I, the thing about that fight that was so like off putting to me was how confident and capable Yuri was on the ground. So like I know he's got the skills because well, I saw. Was he that capable, or did Glover oh, yeah. just make Glover made mistakes, bro? He had that. Do you remember he had? Well, I guess you said on the ground, but. He had a finish on the feet, and then I think he jumped guillotine or something. Yes, I do remember that. But Glover he, had him finished multiple times in that fight, and he what, fucked up. What I'm talking the about. The only thing that bothers me about this fight is, yeah. and he's coming off the surgery. Like, I just don't understand how you could back Yuri. I guess you're getting plus money on him, but, but Glover had I'm, him finished multiple times in that fight. I still can't believe it ended like that. So um, about, about that particular point, Glover was one of the most efficient guys, even to the very end, getting takedowns at light heavyweight. Yuri stuffed 12 of 17. That's what I'm referring to is that his defensive grappling was very strong in that fight. He's not going to be stuffing takedowns against Pereira here. So that's yeah. not, that's not the point here. I just do think that he probably does have a bit of cage cage wrestling and, and clinch work and that type of stuff in his re- I believe that Dominic Reyes elbow came from a cage exchange. If I'm not mistaken, if I remember the fight correctly, I, I watched it a couple weeks ago. But like the thing about Yuri that is is so intriguing to me in this fight is Alex to me didn't seem particularly scary at light heavyweight because like his power didn't seem to be as scary against Jan Blahovich, who is a guy that has been chin checked previously. You think of Tiago Santos or or Corey Anderson, and like Pereira at middleweight was a mammoth of a dude. Like his power. The likes of he put Sean Strickland down in one punch. No one else has done that at middleweight, right? I just don't think he's quite as scary up here at light heavyweight. Whereas Yuri is more of a true light heavyweight. Um, I think, I think he's they're both light heavyweights, though. You know, I get that Yuri is, but like, yeah, Alex was just so massive. Like, I just think they're. <laughs> I mean, what are they? These guys are like identical size, reach, height. Like, 
I feel like Pereira or I feel like Prohaska will be the stronger guy though. That's just my the way that blow I do think that Prohaska, at least because of his age and because of what I saw in the Terra Sheriff fight, I can profile him for a little bit of wrestling and grappling success because that wasn't Jan's strength either. Um, it, you know, that's where Jan lost to Ankoliev. He was kind of forced into that game yeah. plan against Pereira, and he just gassed from it. If 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 he had unlimited stamina, he probably 30-27s Alex just because he was a step ahead in the first round on the feet, right? Um, I'm going to close my closing argument here by not only telling you my, I told you this yesterday, crazy. First time this has ever happened to me. Modeled this fight. You Prohaska 50.0% to win. Pereira 50.0% to win. So my model saying, good luck guys. I've got it 50-50. The last thing I'll leave you, my favorite stat that I throw out here in title fights, fighters younger than 35, facing someone older than 35, 30, 20, and one in their last 33 appearances. That is Yuri Prohaska. It's funny because so many people has messaged me that because they've heard us say it. Yeah. And because I'm on the Pereira side. But the problem is he's the younger guy's the one coming off the injury. That's why I say fuck that stat, fuck that trend. Even though I do believe in that trend so much, so I'm torn here. Tell why do you short- tell me? Because at the end of the day, there's not a bad pick in this fight. Both these yeah. guys have the argument to win. But let's talk about the over-under here. The over one and a half is minus 145. Yep. The under one and a half is plus 115. This fight to go the distance is plus 450. Love How it. do you see this fight playing out? Uh, I've got I've got the fight to go the distance 48.9% of the time. I actually see a longer fight here between these two. Like I told you, I, I just don't think Pereira is overly menacing by power at this division. And both of these guys thus far have a sub 1% knockdown rate. So no, they, I, they haven't really put a ton of guys out. Like Yuri wasn't knocking out Glover Teixeira. Pereira wasn't knocking out Blahovich. I actually like quite a bit of distance here. I, I I think it's nuts that this line is set at one and a half. I agree completely. I, so we're aligned there on the over. Yep. Here's what I'll say. Last time I took Pereira. So the first Izzy fight, I hit the round five knockout plus 3000. Now I sprinkled on rounds three, four and five to be clear. So I lost round three. Yep. Lost round four. If you remember that fight, Pereira had success in round three. He took round four off to get his gas tag back. Yep. Um, and then he comes in round five, and you just see him on camera. He's like, he's like, this is the round I have to do it in. He comes out, mauls Izzy up against the cage. That's yep. literally what he did in the second fight, too, yep. in the second MMA fight. But then he got countered. I think Pereira can get it done late. Yuri, yep. is, Yuri just coming off the surgery. Um I think Pereira, he now has the five-round experience in MMA. He's now – he went three rounds with Blahovich. His cardio got tested a little bit, but a lot of grappling. I just – and I'm trusting that every fight he's going to be more prepared, better cardio, better skill set in MMA. I just think that you, you can make a case for either guy to get a, a round three to five finish here and get a good number on it. I – so – Pereira's cardio also should be better here at 205. He was cutting an ungodly amount of weight to get to middleweight. So it should be better here moving down to middleweight. Yuri, very good cardio against Teixeira, obviously outlasted him and was able to submit him in that final round, right? Um, Just because he was the fresher dude. Why are you... I'm just curious. Like, I understand the ring rust layoff, but like, as far as the injury is concerned, I'm not really concerned at all unless Yuri was like a a double leg type of wrestler, because that's where your shoulder really would be more of a concern as more of a striker. I, I think from a physical standpoint, he's, he's got a long layoff, but I'm not really worried about the injury. 
personally. Yeah, to me, it's just more about the layoff, the rust. Yeah. Um, and then Dana White said it's the worst shoulder injury he's ever seen. I mean, yeah, and there's how much stock we put into okay. that. But like, that, that, I was gonna say that guy is a serial liar. So like, I, know, it, yeah. it, it, <laughs> I don't know if he was just saying that because like the fight was off or he had to reschedule heavyweight or whatever. But so it's interesting yeah. we're aligned in the total here. I I don't. Like, I don't see when I've got it 50 50, like, I don't see a bet on Alex Pereira as a bad bet. I will say the positives is that he's shown a lot better striking defense per minute against a guy in Izzy that is very efficient. So, like, I think Yuri is more hittable of these two. My, my so last one is the better. So, what are both these guys' striking defenses? Uh, 40% for Prohaska, well below the divisional average, 51% for Pereira, right around yeah. him. So I mean, but, let's just think about this logically. Let's forget who Prohaska is for a second. Yeah. If I just said to you, "Hey, this guy, Fighter A, is about to fight Alex Pereira. He's yeah. not a he's not a wrestler or a grappler, and he's a forty one percent striking defense." Would you bet Pereira? Your answer would be yes every time. Um, but I mean, I get a pretty saucy offensive package with Yuri as well. <laughs> the, the one thing I wanted to ask you about, are you concerned about Alex's chin at all because of the Izzy fight? And now he's fighting a bigger dude. Really the first guy, Jan does have the Polish power, but when he was at his freshest in that fight, he wasn't really trying to strike. So are you at yeah. all concerned about Pereira's chin after what happened in Izzy too? Yeah. So I, of course I do have concerns, but I also think the weight cut, I just think the weight cut is just makes all the true. difference in the world. True, true. You know, and like Yuri, like it's more of like his the spin and elbow attacks, and like, I mean, who do you who do you see as the better boxer? Um, a better so better MMA striker. You want you want me to put myself no, in better the boxer? Like if they just threw box tomorrow, who would you take? Um, I'll, I'll take Pereira. My model's got him at seventy five point two percent likely to win the striking exchanges. So Pereira, gotcha. Pereira. It's really the wrestling and grappling projections where Yuri makes up a lot of You can ground. tell by footage and even training footage, he's sparring boxers. You can, I mean, his striking defense has never been great. His boxing yeah. is very hands down, but like you can tell it has gotten better though. Agreed. Agreed. I, I think this fight is fascinating. I think it's the exact right fight for this division with Jamal Hill on the shelf. And either one of these guys is an excellent fight against Jamal Hill. So um, I just... I do worry if Pereira's age is going to start to show just a little bit that like that trend exists for a reason. It's because this is not a fun sport to age in. I, I would be a little concerned about that aging poorly is, is yeah. just my concern. But like Maddie, I, I, I think there's legitimate sides on both sides of this fight. It's, it's, it's a great yeah. one to close out. Like I, by the way, though, this is our third time since we've been doing this. We've been head to head on a main event. We usually agree. We agree a lot. You had Cyril gone in Paris over Spivak. I lost. I got very lucky with Mateusz Gamrot against Fazeev. He got the leg, you know, the ACL tear. <laughs> I was we going to say, I knew I won the Surogam one. I couldn't yeah. remember the second one. We're one and one. So yeah. you like Pereira here. I like Yuri Prohaska. So we'll settle the score until we disagree next week, probably. I don't even know if we have what the card is next week or if we have one. Um, yeah. We'll be at the Apex a lot in in January. Yeah, it's an Apex card in, in Vegas. Brendan Allen, Paul Craig next week. But um, Maddie, I, I think it's time to kind of overview. You're probably not going to end up. Maybe we throw the over for Prohaska Pereira in our parlay, but we got to come up with with some ideas that we agree on and and some pretty ones close to even money if we're going to dig out of the hole that we have made for ourselves yeah, in recent weeks. Got it. All right. So leg number one, we're going over one and a half. 
You you like that one because I really like it as well. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, over one and a half rounds. Yuri Alex as leg number one. Yep. Um, are you down to put Frivola KO? Oh my god! In in this parlay, in this parlay, I would I would rather I think Frivola also. Or we could go money line. I okay. I'd rather I'm much more comfortable with the money line there. Because I think he's got decision equity as well. Um, let me take a look. What about uh, what about Jared Gordon? You and I both really like him. Yeah, I'm down to throw him in. Yeah, I, I really like Jared Gordon as like a, a parlay piece in this fight. Like Madsen, the thing is Madsen's going to give you 15 minutes, and I know Gordon has a high work rate, good cardio. Like I, I feel like that's a really good spot, and I was able to model it showing showing value there. Like for for instance, Samuel puts up like Josh Van money line. I don't think that's a good parlay piece this week. We have such small samples on both Van and and Kevin Borges. Like Borges is the longer guy. It wouldn't surprise me if that was a split decision that went one way or another. And like that's not what we're trying to find in these parlay pieces. Um, right. We want definitive. Like we were very close with Renat KO last week. Renat floored him seconds into the fight, right? And then um, I actually, I actually think Renat last week was just kind of goofing around and ran himself tired. Like that's kind of how the fight looked to me. Like he was. Oh, we got. Uh, I'm da- I mean, I'm down to put Andrade inside the distance. In the parlay, well, it's probably like what plus three hundred something. So, I mean, we can just get money line. Uh, Andrade inside the distance is plus two fifty. Yeah, let's just take plus one sixty money line. Okay. So, so Andrade Fravola main event over one and a half. That's four legs, and three of them are plus money. I think we wrap it there. <laughs> well, I I tail I tail every week, so like I I am at the mercy. What does that pay out if you put it all together? Yeah, right I'm there? putting it in now. So, um, so Jared Gordon money line, Matt Fravola money line, Jessica Andrade money line, and then the main event over one and a half. Yeah, let me get that one real quick. I think another case real quick about the main event over is like, this is a long layoff for Yuri. Typically guys are more conservative off of a long layoff. So that's just another point. We got to make it seven and a half minutes. And I think both those guys know what they're doing um, without excess power. Like I like, that's one of my favorite props on the entire card. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. I don't, I, man, I like, I, if we'll see what it comes out and then I want to see what it is without Jessica. Cause like, I don't think she's like a, my model would say yes, go for it because like I've got her favored, but I I don't know. Dern showed a lot of improvement in that last fight. I I maybe I'm undervaluing that. I always if there's anyone to second guess me, it'll be me. Um, but I don't think one hundred pays eighteen seventy four. Holy guacamole! <laughs> for for all yeah. four legs. For all four legs. Chat, let us know what you think. We're going to put this in the chat here. They want to know what it is without Andrash. Without Andrash? Yeah. 659. What a difference. Wow. Tell us I, in the chat. Tell us, chat. Tell us in the chat. Yes, yes, Andrash. Right no. here. Yes, Andrash. No. Remove Dern. Well, we're not going with Dern. I don't know, bro. The Andrade's leg is what makes it pay. I'd take six fifty nine. I'd I'll tail if Andrade is out of it. Like I think that should be the official one. That's is, the dinner it, right there. Three yeah, layer. I think, 
I, I like I like Gordon, I like Frivola, and then Prohaska Pereira over. Those are two of my favorite. Okay, we we got unanimous approval. That was the stinky leg that the watch watch Frivola end up losing, but Andrade ends up winning, and then we made a mistake which leg we took out. Yeah. But, All right. The chat overwhelmingly wants to. Well, some people want to keep Andrade, but you can you can for, just add Andrade in yourself. Yeah. This is a pie. Well, for the sake of the show, this is our official parlay. This yes. will get us back in the green. Yep. If we hit this one. Yep. I'm gonna put this on my official card because I like this. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I, do it as well. I really do like this play here. I, I would get greedier and go for Vola inside the distance. Um, yeah. It, does that pay a big difference? Let me see. I was just wondering what is inside the distance. I do think he does have decision equity. I've got. Um, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I'm down to keep the, uh, the money line here, but I do. I'm going to, of course, <laughs> sprinkle on his KO. So, Provola. Yeah, because Provola by knockouts only plus 275. Like, it's not worth risking the parlay when you can get plus 190. Yeah. And you know, crazy. Like, That's seriously crazy. It's only that much of a difference. In this fight, where like things could be bloody, guys could be exhausted. Like, both of these guys could absolutely grab it. Maybe Provola gets a late submission. How Dude, crazy that would, would that be? What, what would round three sub on Provola? So, Provola in round three by any way is plus 1600. That's a oh, good number. That is a good number. Provola. Uh, in round three by submission, are you ready for this? Yeah, plus six thousand. <laughs> <laughs> round two plus forty five hundred. Yeah, I will say Benoit in that Zaleski club and subs fight, live, but no, he'll probably get a TKO. Boy, when when Benoit was beaten and tired in that Zaleski dos Santos fight, he left his neck out there, and like a lot. I'm gonna go rewatch that fight tonight. Yeah. It, it 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 was Benoit, not his best, but it's always worth remembering when you watch it. It was at welterweight, and weight classes matter for a reason. So um, yeah. it was a little. That's why Benoit's been such a killer at lightweight. But Maddie, great show. I mean, we are both so jazzed for this. Your official card probably going to drop Friday, if not Friday, Saturday, right? Usually about that time frame for when you pile everything together, and, you, and we got all our props on FanDuel out. So Maddie will have his official card this weekend. My full write-up coming on Friday afternoon at FanDuel.com slash UFC or slash research slash UFC. I, I mess up the new URL all the time. You could also just Google FanDuel Research UFC. All my stuff, podcasts, write-ups, everything I, I bet, I track, I put in the article. So um, go ahead and, and check that out from you guys. We appreciate doing this for you. We'll be back next week with uh, Brendan Allen and uh, Matt's favorite fighter, Paul Craig. So we'll preview the Apex card next Tuesday. But until then, guys, enjoy the card from MSG. And uh, thanks for hanging with us. Thank you, brother. Paul you Craig bet. by knockout next week. Oh, boy. We're running it back. <laughs> no, I, I don't think I can run it back this time. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys.